Last week I taught on oppression from James 5, 1 through 6, and we saw how James said that ungodly people, especially ungodly rich people, will face God's judgment because of the way they treated other people and the way they oppress other people. And we saw how God wants every person who's been oppressed in any way to know that he hears their voice, he hears their cries, and he's the one who will ultimately hold the oppressor accountable, and he's the one who will give reparations to the oppressed. And that brings us to our text today where James tells Christians, especially those who are going through hardships, to patiently endure until the coming of the Lord. I'm preaching today a message entitled, Wisdom About the Second Coming. It's very timely with what's going on in our world today. And our text is James 5, 7 through 8, which says this, Therefore, you remember I told you whenever there's a therefore, see what it's there for. Uh, yeah. So it's based on what just was said, what, just, what James just said about people who were oppressed and crying out to God and going through a tough time. He said, therefore, talking to that, those people, be patient, brothers, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, how patient he is for the early and latter rains. You too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Remember, he's talking to those who've been oppressed, who are crying out for God's help, who cried out like the psalmist who said in Psalm 119.84, how long must your servant wait? When will you punish my persecutors? I don't know if you've ever prayed a prayer like that. But James is addressing people who are waiting for their oppressors, uh, their persecutors to be judged, and, and the resulting relief that they will experience from that. And God says he wants them to know that, and he wants you to know in situations you are in, there will be some relief from that in this lifetime. But we will always be dealing with unjust people who oppress others. And James says that some of that won't be dealt with until judgment day. Right. Waiting for that is hard because we want justice now. We will get a measure of it now. But there is some we must wait on. It doesn't seem fair, does it? What's God waiting on? Well, Peter tells us in 2 Peter 3, 7 through 9, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends, that with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you. See, we want patience for ourselves, but not for other people. He's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Peter shows us here that just as the Lord destroyed the earth by flood in the days of Noah, that in the future the destruction will not be by flood. We know that. We have the covenant promise of a rainbow. But in the future it will be destroyed by fire. And Peter tells us that to God a day is like a thousand years. So to God, 2,000 years since Jesus is more like two days. Seems like a long time to... To, uh, to us, but not to him. God's eternal. He's outside of time. So if, if God tells you that he wants you to wait a couple of days for something, 
Like, Lord, is that 24-hour days? Is that a 1,000-year days? Some things you're going to wait. And Peter tells us what God's waiting for. He's waiting for as many people as possible to come to repentance and salvation through Jesus Christ. Now, sometimes we don't want to wait for our oppressors to get the judgment that is due them, but God is waiting for them to come to a place of repentance and faith. We want many times our oppressors to perish. Get them, God. Have you ever prayed some get them, God prayers? But God's waiting for them, and he doesn't want any of them to perish. That shows us, by the way, what's in our hearts compared to God's heart. By the way, think about this. If the Lord had come back 10 or 15 years ago, there were some of you who would not have been born again yet. Aren't you grateful that God waited for you? There's some loved ones you're praying for. Aren't you glad God's waiting on them? James is saying that the Lord is waiting for the latter rain, the final harvest of souls, which is a, a foreshadowing of the, of the return of Jesus Christ. And the Lord is giving people a final opportunity to get right with God. So we must be patient because there are some people we love and some people we don't like so much who still need to get saved. Jesus told his disciples he would be leaving, but that he was coming back. It's what's called the second coming of Jesus Christ. The first time was him coming to earth as a baby in Bethlehem. The second time was him coming back as a conquering king on a white horse. He said it's going to happen, and we need to be ready for it. Here's what Jesus told his disciples in John 14, 2 through 3. I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you may be where I am. The Lord is coming back someday to take all of us to heaven with him. In Matthew 24, 39 through 42, Jesus said, This is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding with a handmill. One will be taken and the other left. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. So you must be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Listen, it's important for us to be established in this truth of the second coming of Jesus Christ because without it, we have no urgency. An understanding of the second coming gives us an urgency about the things of God, the kingdom of God, and, and, and eternity, and being right with God, and, and taking as many people with us uh, to heaven. We, we, we get into, and it also causes us to live ready to meet Jesus Listen, we're all going to face him one day. We're all going to stand before him one day, and it's probably sooner than you may think. And we've got to live our lives every day like this could be the day I face God. Are you ready for that? Many Christians live their lives with no thought. They never think about meeting the Lord face to face. They're not ready. Way back in Bible days, they, they lived ready. Here we are 2,000 years later, and closer than they ever were, and many of us are not living ready. They, they had a word they used, a Greek word, maranatha. They, that was kind of a word that they used among themselves, which was come, Lord. Come, Lord. 
Paul uses at the end of 2 Corinthians. He says, Maranatha, a lot of the Bible's translations now would just say, come Lord, but it's, it's Maranatha. And that was a, a term that they used among themselves. They were, they, it was always on their hearts and always on their minds, but some of us never even think about it. They, they have no thought of it. But the Bible teaches Jesus is coming back. It's very specific about how it will happen, but not about when. So we've got to live every day, and I think that was the Lord's intention, is that we would live every day as if it could be the day. In every generation since Jesus came to earth and died and was resurrected, Christians have thought they were in the last generation. Jesus said this in Matthew 24, 36 about his return. No one knows when that day or time will be, not even the angels in heaven, only the Father knows. We know that one day, this world as we know it will come to an end. There's an appointed time for that to happen, but we don't know when. God does not tell us when. In fact, if somebody tells you, and I, there have been books written, books written about it, given dates, and sold a lot of copies that had to go in the trash bin when that date passed, Somebody gives you a date, run in the other direction. Because they're wrong. Nobody knows. Jesus taught in Matthew 24, 30 through 31, what his second coming will look like. It says, at that time, the, son, the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and all the nations of the earth will mourn. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. He will send his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect, his people, his chosen people, from the four winds, from, from one end of the heavens to the other. I love that. And we see several things here about the second coming of Jesus Christ. Number one, it will be a physical return. Some people try to say it's some kind of a spiritual return, and no, it's physical. Every eye will see him. It will be visible to everyone. It won't be a secret. He will return with power and authority. He will return suddenly and unexpectedly. Are you ready for that? We don't know when it is, but he will come back. But here's the thing. The Bible gives us signs of what the end times will look like. By the way, more Signs of Christ's return exist today than any time in history. And one of the most essential passages, prophetic passages, last time, end times passages is Matthew 24 and 35. I've already read several passages from Matthew 24. I encourage you, read Matthew 24. I'm going to read a lot of it today. It's the clothesline from which all the other prophecy should be hung. I probably need to come up with a different phrase because a lot of people don't even know what a clothesline is anymore. <laughs> we used to hang our clothes outside after we washed them on these things called clotheslines, and you would hang them out there so that they would dry. Man, there ain't nothing like getting a towel that's been hung outside and you get that. I, I don't know. It was just, I loved it, but now we got dryers, but I'm old. Matthew 24 starts with this. Jesus left the temple, was walking away when his disciples came up to call to his, his attention, call his attention to its buildings. You see all these things he said? I tell you the truth. Not one stone here will be left on another. Everyone will be thrown down. Jesus prophesied that the temple and the buildings on the temple mount would be destroyed 
and the destruction would be so complete that not one stone would be left standing. <clears throat> and listen, we know that our Lord's words were 100% accurate because in A.D. 70, a Roman emperor named Titus, or a Roman general named Titus, came with the Roman army, seized Jerusalem, destroyed Jerusalem, and the stones on the Temple Mount from all those buildings were thrown down. Now, a group of us just went there. If you went with us, raise your hand. Look at all these people. Look at all these guys went to Jerusalem and Israel. Aren't you glad we went when we went? I mean, that was... <laughs> but we stood up here looking down on this. See this road that's all torn up? See that pile of rocks? Here's another angle. This is the Temple Mount over here where the temple was up on top. There's a a close-up of the pile of rocks. These are the exact stones that Jesus said that every one of them is going to be thrown down from this temple mount. Jesus prophesied it, and it happened like he said. Listen to me. If the first part of this chapter came true, the rest of it's going to come true. There were hundreds of prophecies about a Messiah that were all fulfilled in one man, Jesus Christ. It's, it's, it shows you the, 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 the inspiration of God in the scriptures and the truth of the deity of Jesus Christ. All these prophecies came true in one man, and a lot of people missed it, even religious people. And there are many prophecies about the second coming of Jesus Christ, and there's a lot of arguments of how it's going to happen and when. All I know is this. He's coming back. And if what he said the first time happened, what he says is going to happen will happen. So he goes on and tells us what the end times will look like. And in Matthew 24, he talks about the rapture. He, he talks about the great tribulation. He, he, it's, those words are the words of Jesus. Of the, there's a great tribulation that people will go through. And he talks about his second coming. All of this will happen just like the first part of the chapter happened. And after predicting the destruction of the temple, Matthew 24, 13 through 3 through 14 goes on to say, as Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen? And what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, claiming I am the Christ, and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you're not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. All these things are the beginning of birth pains. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you will be hated by all the nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other, and many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. The love of most will grow cold. But he who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Jesus gave us signs of when the beginning of the end would be. And, and listen, I, I don't know if you pay attention to the news at all, but these things are increasing dramatically, all of them. Yes. Let's look at them real quickly. Sign number one, Jesus said deception will cause many to turn away from the faith. 
Deception is one of the main signs of the last days. Six times in Matthew 24, six times Jesus warns about deception. There were three times in this passage I just read. And I'm telling you, everywhere you look today, you see deception. You see deception on a mass level. You see a deception on a worldwide level. You see a deception, a delusion that says, if a woman thinks she's a man, she's a man. Did you ever read the book, The Emperor's New Clothes? Like, you know, the emperor has clothes, they had clothes on, but they, they were invisible, you know, and the, but everybody acted like they could see it until the little boy said, the emperor's got no clothes on. There's a lot of people deluded. And in the end times, the Bible says God will send a delusion. Deception. It's everywhere we look, even among Christians, on a regular basis, I see stories of Christian ministers and leaders and musicians and artists leaving the faith. It's always surprising, but it shouldn't be because Jesus warned us that it would happen. And listen, it will only increase because it's a sign of the times. Many will fall away. Listen, there's going to be a great end-time revival, but there's going to be a, a, a great, a, a great end-time falling away from the faith. Deception. Number two, Jesus said there'll be wars and rumors of wars. Duh! There have been over 15,000 recorded wars in, re, in recorded history. We don't know past a certain point. I mean, you would think that as human civilization grew, the number of wars would decrease. But you know, the 20th century was the bloodiest century in history. More people died in, in the last hundred years than in all the other centuries before. And I, I looked this up in 2022. In our world, there were eight major wars, and a major war has over 1,000 deaths in a year. Hey, this war in Israel and Gaza right now, they had over a thousand in one day when, when Hamas attacked Israel. And now there's thousands of uh, Palestinians dead. I mean, that's a major war. There's also been 47 smaller conflicts. So there's about 50 conflicts going on on the planet right now. We only hear about the big ones. This increase in warfare is a sign of the times. And listen, also one of the signs is ethnic conflict. Jesus said, nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. It's kind of redundant for Jesus to say nations will rise against nation and kingdoms against kingdom until you realize that the word translated nation is the word ethnos. It's from which we get the word ethnic. It's, a, it's not talking about countries. It's talking a, about a, a people group, an ethnic group. The word kingdom is talking about countries, even in, in Dan Berger's Interpreted New Testament, I, I, which I love to read, it says, his translation is, ethnic groups will rise against each other and entire countries will war against each other. Jesus said that one of the signs of the end times is ethnic conflict. Wars and conflicts between ethnicities. It's a sad thing. But we're facing it these days. It's a sad 
sign of the times. Sign number three, there will be earthquakes and disasters. The number of earthquakes on this earth has, has grown exponentially over the years. Not only that, the, mag, the magnitude and intensity is growing. The, the United States Geological Service says 20,000 earthquakes happen every year. That's 55 a day. A lot of them are minor. They're deep underground and nobody feels them. But there is a constant rumbling on this earth. That's a sign of times. In addition, natural disasters have doubled in the past 30 years. Hundreds of thousands of people have been killed and displaced by earthquakes, tsunamis. We've seen the pictures of them sweeping in in Japan and other places and sweeping away a whole city. Floods, volcanoes, fires. We just saw the fire in Lahaina in Hawaii. I mean, just wipe out a community. Those things are increasing. They're signs of the time. Number four, there will be famine and pestilence. There's, uh, there's approximately 8 billion people on our planet, and 828 million of them are, are experiencing some sort of malnutrition right now. Over 10% of the world's population are, are in some kind of a famine. And, and in, in addition to famine, pestilence is growing. Pestilence is a word we don't use much anymore, but it's a disease that spreads fast and kills many people. We call it a pandemic. We just experienced a worldwide pestilence called COVID. And you would think with all the medical knowledge and medical advancements we have, that we would have solved the problem of infectious diseases forever, but it's still growing, and it will continue to grow. I am telling you, be ready. Jesus says this is a sign of the end. Number five, there will be an increase of wickedness. Man. Jesus said in Matthew 24, 37, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of man. What, what characteristics mark the days of Noah? Well, Genesis 6, 5 tells us in the days of Noah, the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the headlines every day you see murders and rapes and kidnappings and assaults and child abuse and child abduction, robbery, people in plain sight now just going in the stores and cleaning them out and running out and taking everything. I mean, it's just, it, it's, it's anarchy in the street. All that is so commonplace to us now. Wickedness on the increase. Well, in addition to those Things like that. L listen to what Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. There will be terrible times in the last days. Now listen to what he says. People will be lovers of themselves. Check. Lovers of money. Check. Boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents. Now listen. There's always been disobedience to parents. He's saying there's going to be increase and in multiplication in all of these things ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving. And people will write you off these days. It's as easy as unfriending you on Facebook. They will write you off and never talk to you again. You wronged me and I will never forgive you. 
They're slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying his power. Have nothing to do with them. Some of y'all need to reevaluate your friends. I'm serious. This doesn't describe our society, our culture, our world today. I don't know what does. The Bible says that in addition to all these wars and disasters and famines, there will be, end times will be characterized by people without character. They will have no reverence, no respect, no restraint. They will have no character, no conscience, no conviction. They will have no gratefulness, no goodness, no godliness. This is what it is becoming. And you notice Jesus also said that because of this, Christians are going to be persecuted. Listen, there's persecution of Christians, Christians being killed all over the world. It's, it's not really happened in America. We've always been a, a nation bound on, founded on Judeo-Christian ethics, but I'm telling you, don't be surprised when it comes. There are places in if Canada places in Europe now, if I stood up here and read a scripture that said homosexuality is a sin, I would be arrested for hate speech for reading that Bible passage. Jesus said it's coming. And evil people has always plagued society, but for most of the past 2,000 years, you know, Christian Morality, especially in places like America, has acted as a measure of restraint. But as those morals, as those, uh, as those, uh, those standards of decently, as those restraints are being swept aside, wickedness unashamedly and boastfully flaunts itself. And our courts and our colleges and our communication media are showing increased bias against Christians and any moral code. And we can see it happen all around us. And I know this sounds like a lot of bad news today. But Jesus is warning us to be ready about what's coming. But not all the signs are bad. Here's, I'm going to give you something good here. You ready for something good? <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. You can thank Jesus. He did it in this order. <laughs> the gospel will be preached to the whole world. Yeah. It's why we do missions. It's why we send people like Candy out to Africa and others are missionaries. That's why we do it. The most exciting sign of the times is the gospel of Jesus Christ will be preached in every nation. In Matthew 24, 14, Jesus said, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations and then the end time, the end will come. There's a worldwide spiritual awakening happening now. More people are coming to Christ now than at any time in history. And he's not coming back until this, his word has been preached in every nation. That's ethnos, every people group. These are exciting times to be a part of God's kingdom. The signs of the times are everywhere. And we, as we see these signs, we should not be afraid. We should not be discouraged. Jesus told us what to do in Luke 21, 28. When these things begin to take place, stand up. Come 
and lift up your head because your redemption is drawing near. When you see these end time signs, it's not a time to be down. It's not a time to be downcast. It's a time to look up. Jesus said in Matthew 24, 12, because of the increase of lawlessness, the love of most will grow cold, but he who stands firm to the end will be saved. We see lawlessness in our streets. It's a sign of the times, but we have the promise that those who endure will be saved. So when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, keep your peace because it's a sign that Jesus is coming soon. When you hear of earthquakes shaking the world, don't let it shake your world. It's a sign that Jesus is coming soon. When you hear of kingdom rising against kingdom, don't shrink back uh, in fear. Move forward in faith because your redemption is drawing near. When you see signs in the heavens, lift up your head and look up to Jesus. He is still on the throne. He is still ruling. He is still reigning. Stand up. Look up because Jesus is ready to stand up and come back for his children. He's coming for a church without spot or wrinkle, washing the blood of the Lamb, filled with the Holy Ghost, a church looking for his return. You can stand up. I'm almost done. Titus 2.13 says, we should be looking for that blessed hope. That's what the return of Christ is, the blessed hope. And the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Christ. Listen, the fact that Jesus is coming back is not a scary thing to those who are living for him, to those who have faith. It's a hopeful thing to us. It brings hope because we know when Jesus comes back, he's going to take us home where there will be no sickness and no pain, no sadness, no sorrow, no tears, no trials, no sin, no temptation, no old age or road rage, no recession or oppression, no bad news or sad news. There will be absolutely nothing to complain about ever. You will miss nothing about this life on earth because it will be infinitely better in heaven with our Lord Jesus Christ forever and ever. Hallelujah. Amen. Give us some thanks. Maranatha! Come Lord Jesus! Hallelujah. I'm going to ask our prayer team to come down. Listen, if you've never given your life to Jesus, listen, I know a lot of people think, I'm going to live a long time, and before I die, I'll get right with Jesus. Number one, you don't know when he's coming back. You don't know how long you got to live. we got doctors here today. None of them can guarantee you you're going to live out the week. They can say, it looks healthy, look, look good to me, but nobody knows. But here's the thing. Jesus could come back before you die. You wait for old age to get ready. What if he comes back next week, next month, next year, today? Who knows? If you're not right with God, I'm not trying to scare you. I love you. And I'm saying, get right with God. If you've never been born again, today's the day of salvation. If you're living in a, a sin and you're not repentant of it and you're just saying, eh, I got time to deal with this. No, no, no. Let's deal with it. Let's get it right. 
come down here and pray with us. We'd love to see the hand of God move in your life. If you need healing, a miracle, a job, finances, you want to pray for yourself or somebody else, whatever you need prayer for, we will pray and see the hand of God move in your life. Love you so much. It's an awesome time to follow Jesus. We're going to sing one more song, and we'll be dismissed. <laughs>